Quick warning, some of these stories will have subjects that are very sensitive to some viewers, and viewer discretion is advised. This is your warning. Also, if you have a story you would like to send my way, go to AsTheRavenDreams.com slash submit, or check the links down below, and of course, thank you for listening. Hey all, I just found this subreddit, and I have a story that I think fits. It's been told many times in my circles, but not online. This is going to be a bit long, and the names have been changed. In 2016, I, female 24, joined the US Navy. I was 19 at the time. I got the job as a military linguist and I was in school to study Russian. At the school, we were only to learn the language and would later transfer elsewhere to learn the top-secret parts of the job. The school was located nearish to the Bay Area in California, so when Pride Month rolled around, I was super excited to be able to go to San Francisco Pride. I hadn't attended a Pride parade before, so... I was super excited, and basically was hitting up all my friends to figure out a plan to go. At the time, I didn't have a car, so I tried arranging a ride. The story about my pride experience isn't the main focus of the story. However, the rundown is that a guy I knew in the army promised I could stay in his hotel room, and he would drive me back the next day. But ended up abandoning me outside of a club. I wasn't allowed in, obviously. At about 3am, and I was SOL. I was then in a position where I had nowhere to go, and had no idea what to do. An Uber was $230 back to base. See, two weeks later when the Navy Command introduced a new training slide, basically entitled, don't trust other service members some girl got left in San Francisco. So, there I was, 19 years old, stuck by myself in San Fran with no transportation or hotel, a dying phone, and completely unsure of what to do. I called my mom, and, thank God, she is the kind of person to always answer. I told her my situation and she informed me that San Fran has 24-hour Starbucks that probably have chargers. I didn't have a charger on me because I was only told after I got to San Francisco that the guy was willing to let me stay with him. So my friends had split, and I stayed. I asked around, walked a few blocks, and sat down at this 24-hour Starbucks, charging my phone on a charging pad. I immediately got in contact with everyone I knew in the area and asked if anyone would be going to the Sunday parade, with little luck. I eventually got a ride home because of my lovely roommates. I sat alone and drank my coffee until a man sat next to me. He looked a bit frazzled, dressed in messy business attire, while he tried several outlets to try to charge his laptop. He sighed and gave up. No luck? I asked. Nah, oh well. He taps his fingers for a second, unsure of what to do, when he turns to me. 
So how's your night going? <laughs> Actually, eh, pretty terrible. I was just trying to enjoy Pride, and I got abandoned. So I'm trying to figure out what to do. I guess I'll just wait until the sun rises. How about you? He looked amazed. Wow, my night's been uh, terrible too. I'm a programmer. I travel a lot, and I just got back from China. The police decided that I looked suspicious and just took my passport from me. What the hell? He was black, so to the police, that's all they needed, I guess. We introduced ourselves, and he had a very typical American name. Joshua Martin. Pretty normal. We both get to talking about our stories as well as our lives, since we both happen to not have literally anything else to do at four in the morning. He asked me about my work, and I explained that I'm in training to be a linguist for the Navy. He's very intrigued. He asks me for more details, to the point that it made me a bit uncomfortable. So I said, I'm sorry, that's top secret. I can't tell you more. In truth, I didn't know anymore, because I hadn't yet gone to the top secret portion. But it set a boundary, and it made me sound kind of cool. He then got to talking about his life how his girlfriend is studying string theory. Now, I'm the one intrigued. He talks more about his programming when the word Google slips out. You work for Google? Well, yes, I told you I'm a programmer. This dude is just so interesting to me. He says that he thinks I'm the interesting one because I'm smart, but not weird about it. He kept saying he admired that I was smart, but not awkward. I was honored. Fast forward to when we part, he asks me if we can add each other on Facebook, because he wants to send me an article about MIT students that are punks, which reminded him of me. I agree. He was cool, so whatever. And then we part. He sends the article about two months later. It's cool. But here's where it gets weird. Fast forward to about five months, I think. I haven't talked to him since he sent me the article, which consisted of only a couple of sentences. Oddly, he sends me a message. The message is seven pictures. A cat meme, two pictures of an Asian girl, one picture of her with her driver's license, one of her license up close, one of her passport, and a screenshot of a message. The screenshot is a conversation between two people, the sender detailing the girl and whether or not they think she's good enough to hire for an assassination. They send a few messages between each other, talking about her traits, and whether or not she can get the job done. I am so confused. What the hell is going on? I replied, Haha, what is that? And then I checked his page again. He had deleted me, as if he didn't mean to send those to me. But then he replies, Oh, we're ninjas. I'm gonna let you know right now, this dude sucked at explaining. I just kept saying, huh? Like a roleplay thing? Is this a video game? And he kept replying, no, we're ninjas. Eventually, he got increasingly frustrated with my confusion, and he said, It's not a game. We kill people. Off the books. 
In fear of it being real, I still tried to bait him to give me more. He eventually exploded and just said, All of you freaking meatheads are the same. I'm trying to recruit you. Are you in or not? I'm still shocked at this point, because if he is involved in assassinations, boy is he bad at it. He then sends me a link to his blog. I stupidly clicked on it, which now I realize could have been much worse, as he was apparently a programmer. On the blog, he has a very random mix of posts, some of which have no context and I don't understand. But then I get to a post about a bus crash in Taiwan. It's a screenshot of a conversation with an article saying something like, 32 dead in bus crash in Taiwan. Underneath the article is the conversation. Finally, we did it. Go ninjas. With a reply something along the lines of, Finally, we've been waiting three months for that one. But wait a minute. Didn't he tell you when you met that he travels a lot and had just come from China? Cue the X-Files theme. I keep scrolling and see a lot more weird stuff. One of which was a very detailed story about a girl that violently, uh, did stuff with herself, with a cucumber, and then a pair of glasses for over five hours until she was bleeding. What the hell? Her picture also showed that she was Asian. Suddenly, I was worried that this could also be a trafficking situation. I took hella screenshots, and then went to my superior. I said, hey man, gave him a rundown of San Francisco, and he just sent me these. Is he just super weird, or should I be worried? He read through everything, looked at the blog, and handed me my phone. Very calmly, he said, call the police. Obviously, I freaked out because it wasn't just my paranoia anymore. The police didn't care. Ha. She said, Okay, so block him. Cool, have a good night. The thing is, while this whole thing was going down, he had been messaging more. This time he kept repeating himself. Him. I can't wait for coffee. See you soon. Him. <laughs> Lol. Him. See you soon. Me. Huh? Him. Looking forward to it. See you soon. I did end up blocking him, and now, slightly paranoid about him seeing me soon, I called my mother to tell her everything. The problem is, my mother is a little crazy. Well, crazy enough to call the FBI. I rolled my eyes and said, Mom, you can't truly think the FBI cares about this crazy dude. A few days later, I got a call from NCIS. They wanted to talk. The detective... Funny enough, was Detective Holmes. Nice. He took my whole very thorough statement. Took pictures of our Facebook messages on a camera. And at the end, I asked him, Hey, do you think this guy is actually someone to worry about? He deeply sighed and said, Honestly, kid, I have no idea. This guy is so weird, I truly don't know. But I haven't seen someone like this before. Well, that didn't help. I never did hear from NCIS, although I suppose it's not their job to keep me in the loop. However, just about a year ago, being the uh, petty bitch that I am, 
I decided to look through my blocked list on Facebook. You know, reminisce about all the a-holes I blocked. And then I noticed a name that I didn't recognize. A very... Russian name. Sergei Yanovich Antonov. It was him. Little American boy had changed his name on Facebook. I have so many questions. Is he a Russian spy? Was he specifically approaching me because he knew I was in the Russian program in the military? Was he really involved in trafficking or assassinations? I wish I knew. Either way, no. I will not be seeing you soon. Hollywood. Hollywood is the town I live and grew up in. It's a small town of about 12,000 people on the coast of Northern Ireland, and is considered the best place to live in the entire country. Crime rates are low, everyone's nice. So, that's why it felt so strange to have someone as vile as the person in this story to exist. The story starts in April of 2020. The worldwide pandemic that I don't need to explain had just started. Our school had a lockdown, and we were no longer in school until after summer. My neighbor, who I will just refer to as Matt, and I had a lot of free time on our hands. There's a woods near our house called Glen Lyons. It's not massive, but it has a lot of parts that are hard to get to if you don't know about them. Matt and I decided we wanted to spend some time up there, messing about like the young teens that we were. The first thing we wanted to do was build a dam. I'm not sure why, but we found it fun. We went up there almost every day for about a week before getting bored of it. We decided to do some exploration. We spent a few hours exploring before uncovering something pretty cool. It was a small den that someone had built in a little clearing by the river. Building dens was something Matt and I had done before, but very rarely had we done it successfully. So, we decided we wanted to help. We left a paper note in the den asking if we could join, and we went home shortly after. A few days later, we went back to check on the note. They had responded with another note, informing us that we could help them build the den. Matt and I set to work, gathering resources such as wood and string that had been left in the forest. The next day, we came back to see that someone was there. The villain of this story. There's something unsettling recalling a memory of someone who, at the time, you thought was nice, just to find out their true colors later on. This boy was called Greg. He was 15 at the time, two years older than me and four years older than Matt. We didn't say anything to him, we just decided to gather materials and bring it to the den. After a minute or so, he started doing the same. We struck up a conversation with him. He wasn't actually the boy who made the den, but they knew each other on a personal level. Nothing else really happened. 
The day after that, we returned to the den. We were hoping Greg would be there, but he wasn't. We decided to wait a few hours to see if he came. He didn't, but someone else did. Enter Rowan, the maker of the den. I'd actually met Rowan a few times, so we instantly started talking. We all became friends that same day, and that's when the den really started. Weeks went by. Every day we went up was practically the same. We would go up early in the morning, meet Rowan, then Greg, have some fun, and then go home. Rowan was always the first to go, then me, then Matt, and then Greg would leave last. I remember when I would have to go, Greg and Matt would stand at the entrance to the den, and we would talk a bit before I left. That was how it always went, until midway through May. I'd gone home, I ate my dinner, I watched some YouTube on my TV in my room, I was playing games on my phone while the videos played, when suddenly, I get a phone call from Matt. This wasn't unusual. He often called me when Greg had told him about a cool idea about the den. Hey Matt, what's up? I asked him. Ollie, can we talk? Matt asked in a frantic voice. Yeah, I'm coming over to yours now. We met, and he told me exactly what had happened. I felt sick as I heard the stuff that Greg had told Matt. If you haven't figured it out yet, Greg was a pedophile. It all made sense. Why he hung out with kids. Why he spent his time in the woods. Why he tried to get so close to us. Greg had brought Matt into a really deep part of the woods. Remember, this is about 8 at night, so the sun is already set. Greg then proceeded to ask Matt to do, let's just say, bad things with him. Matt told me how Greg tried to tower over him at times. Greg had repeatedly showed us his physical strength, and Matt was a bit scared of him at times. Matt told him he would think about it and then ran off. That's when he got home and phoned me. But that's not where the story ends. We told all of our friends about the incident. The story spread like wildfire across Holywood's youth. The names were lost as the story spread, which often makes me wonder if Greg ever heard about it. Matt blocked Greg after Greg once again asked him about that stuff. We quit the den. Rowan and I remained friends, however. We decided we needed to find a new den. We brought some other people in to help us. I was with Matt when we finally found the spot. At the bottom, if Holywood existed in a small area that once used to be an old school. It was surrounded by trees. There was a little area in there that was hidden. We talked about it for a while over our favorite snacks and drinks. Mine was salt and vinegar Pringles, his was lemon Fanta. Suddenly, we heard a twig snapping, and we realized someone else was there with us. We got scared and we ran off. We told Roan about the spot the next day. We were busy, but we wanted him to check it out. When he got there, he phoned me, and what he said disturbed me. Ollie? Yeah? There's already a den here. 
I was confused and unsettled. Paired with the other person being there, something felt wrong. All three of us went there the next day. Besides the den, something else was there that made me extremely uncomfortable. There on the ground were three different things. A full can of salt and vinegar Pringles, a full bottle of lemon Fanta, and multiple cans of a very unusual type of beer. The very beer that Greg loved to drink. The implications were there, but we had no proof. We told our friends, who urged us to go to the police, but with no evidence, we had nothing to back it up. Greg goes to the same school as Matt and I. We sometimes see him walking through the corridor. When I overhear people talking about the incident... I wonder what they would think if they realized the pedophile was in the same class as them, working, hanging out, and playing with them. So, that's my story about Greg, the stain of Hollywood. I understand it isn't as scary or traumatic as some other posts on this sub, but it honestly terrified Matt and I beyond words. When I was about 11, maybe 12, my family and I moved out to the middle of some abandoned strip mines in rural Alabama. It was awesome. Going swimming in quarries, lots of abandoned equipment and cliff faces to climb, caves, and miles and miles of trails, which were abandoned dirt roads used by the mines to explore. The trade-off? was there was a lot of venomous snakes, and at night, it was dark. No streetlights, just the occasional porch light maybe every mile or so on the main road. One day in particular, my friend P and I were out on one of the dirt roads that went off to the side of the main mine road. We hadn't been down that road before, but it was like 10am on a bright summer day and we figured... Why not? We had gone maybe a mile down that road, and we came to a left-hand turn. Beside that left turn, and alongside the road we were walking on, there was a small lake. We walked up to the lake, and we were watching small frogs and a turtle swimming around, when I caught movement across the lake. I saw a man walking away from us, heading up the hill. I poked P and asked, Who's that? Why is he out here? We were miles into the mines. No people anywhere. No houses nearby. We both stood up, and as soon as we got right on our feet, he stopped walking. In a split second, he spun around and came running in our direction. We bolted. I mean, ran. Like... Gump. I looked back and he was running faster than any human I had ever seen. He covered the distance he had to run downhill and around the lake to get close to us. That route was easily 300 yards within seconds. P grabbed me and we jumped off the road and into a ditch behind some bushes. I peeked out and he was maybe 30 to 40 feet from us 
spinning around in the road. He was making this god-awful grunting sound. And weirdly enough, I swear he had an entire cooked chicken in his hand. He was wearing destroyed overalls, dirty boots, and he had what I can only describe as a Cro-Magnon brow. It was huge. My memory might not be super accurate given how long it's been, but it seemed like his forehead stuck out a good four inches over his eyes. He was the scariest thing that I had ever seen. He spun around in the road and started running back the way he came. We stayed there, in that ditch, for almost an hour, afraid to move, listening, watching in case he was hiding and waiting. We crawled along the roadside all the way back to the main road. From there, we walked, but we stayed in the tree line until we saw the main paved road, and then we ran. We ran all the way back home. We got home, told our fathers, and both of our fathers and P's older brother loaded up and went looking for him, but never found a thing. All these years later, and it still haunts me. And oh yeah, my girlfriend recently took me out to her grandmother's house to meet and spend time with her family, and where does the dear old granny live? Right on the edge of those old same strip mines. I told her the story, and she looked really serious and said, Y'all are lucky. There's all kinds of bad things that happen in those mines. So, yeah. Every visit to Grandma means the Glock and the 12-gauge ride with us. Anyways, that's my creepy encounter story. The OP added an update. I forgot about this until I was telling my dad about writing this here on Reddit. He reminded me of something. I had gotten beaten up really badly my last day of summer school. So, to make me feel better, and for passing summer school, my parents bought me a Kawasaki motocross bike. My dad had an old Honda racing bike, so we tried to ride out there any chance we got. One day, we're out, deep in the mines, and I saw a wooden crate-slash-box off the side of the road in the bushes. It looked about six foot long, maybe 18 inches high. Me, being a nosy kid, walked over and looked inside. There was a ton of hay, a blanket, and an old pillow. I called my dad over and showed him. I remember he looked around and said, If someone's living in that, way out here, they don't want to be found or bothered. Let's go home. We hopped on the bikes, rode home, no problems at all. But the weird thing is, my dad sat out on the porch with the lights off for most of the night, just staring at the edge of the woods. He never said why, and I cannot believe that I never put the two incidents together. But now... I think I know. Apparently, he never saw anything or anyone because he came in late that night, went to bed, and never sat out there again. Oh, and the worst part to me now, they've built a huge subdivision out there. Houses everywhere alongside the main road, butting right up to the edge of the woods. 
there is no possible way I could live there again. I was the store manager of a nationwide mall computer, later gaming store. This was long before GameStop and cell phones. We were located on the left side facing the middle of the mall, with J.C. Penney's to the left at the end. This detail plays into what happened. My ex-wife is a strikingly beautiful Latina woman. She was only 20, and my daughter one and a half at the time. Unfortunately, fortunately for us, we had very beautiful babies. They almost looked like dolls. The reason I say this is my daughter attracted way too much attention as a baby. We stopped going out in public because people were constantly approaching us and trying to touch her. It was a Sunday. I would work the whole day since it was a short day. The three of us would go to work. My ex-wife would dress our daughter and herself up and make a day of it. She liked to shop and wander for the day, coming back to have lunch, and being the manager, I took long breaks as well. Everything is going along fine, like every other Sunday. I go out to give her some money, and my spidey street senses start going crazy. I look to the left, and I see a man intently looking at my wife and our daughter. I meet his gaze. He doesn't look away. We had a huge wedding with 200 plus guests, so I asked my wife if she knew the person staring at her. We both look up, and he was gone. It couldn't have been two or three seconds since I last looked at him. There was something strange about him. I remember to this day, he was dressed in a dark gray suit with a dark gray overcoat. And not to trouble her, I told her not to worry about it. We had lunch. We took the long way back to the store. We stopped by mall security. I introduced her to the security guys who had become good buddies. I pulled them aside and told them what had happened, and they were concerned. We stopped by the info booth, and I tell the person working there to let me know if she sees him. Now, my ex-wife loves to shop at JCPenney's and goes shopping in the store. Before she goes in, I tell her about the man in the gray suit. She let me know that she'll keep an eye out for him. And then there's a call on the store phone. An employee tells me it's the phone. I'm like, yeah, I heard it ring. <laughs> he tells me he needs some help. He pulls me aside and says, It's your wife, and she sounds scared as hell. I jump on the phone. She tells me the man that I had described had been following her for over half an hour. When he had first showed up, she said he was reaching for our daughter. I immediately call security. They come up the middle with my employee standing watch on the entrance to J.C. Penney's. I go out the back into the parking garage, which was no more than 50 feet away. There were only two entrances to the store, front and back. There were lots of emergency exits on the parking garage side, so the only entrance not covered was in the front. Luck would have it, 
a police officer had pulled someone over from the street and was in the front parking lot. By this point, I don't want the gentleman to go away. I want him caught. Everyone starts converging on the store. He's got nowhere to go, right? They walk to the station where my wife is surrounded by the store manager, several employees, and they have our daughter behind the counter. The police officer has been alerted. Mall security escorts both of them out of the store to me. We put them in our car, and they drive straight to her mother's. They continue to search the store. Every nook and cranny, he was never found. To this day, I can remember every detail, but the detail that sticks with me the most is that his eyes were coal black. I can't find a way to write this without sounding horribly cliche, but I'll try my best. For some background, my partner and myself have been together for just under a year and a half. We don't live together, but he spends a lot of time staying with me and Juno the cat, and the rest of the time with his mum whilst his house has work done. Just over two months ago, his father passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. The night of it all was like any normal one. My partner was staying, so at about 10pm we went upstairs to my bedroom to watch a film. We lay together and relaxed, whilst my cat curled up in the corner of the room. A while later, we heard scratching coming from underneath the TV stand, so I got up to stop what I thought was, Juno from destroying the place. I called her name, and she came through the door to investigate the TV unit with me. My partner and I looked at each other and really investigated, thinking along the lines of a rat or a mouse, but none were there to be found. It stopped after we got up, so we left it at that. We went downstairs for a smoke and then back up to brush our teeth. We were just getting ready for bed when we hear a voice, clear as day, shout, Shut up! in the room. My partner and I looked at each other and decided this was getting really weird. We went to bed with a pretty uneasy feeling. Then, of course, came the horrible phone call at 2 a.m., his father had passed. He was understandably devastated, and I held him while we both had a silent cigarette. He then went to his mother's house. Between then and now, two months, nothing has happened. I came home to my door being open one day, and nothing in my flat was stolen, no parcels delivered, and my cat was still inside. My neighbor saw no one around the whole day, I wasn't there to see it, so maybe it was just a coincidence. So, that leads us to tonight. My partner was around, and we were upstairs watching a movie again. When it was done, we went to the stairs to go downstairs for a smoke. I could hear a stream of water, so I checked the bathroom, and nothing was leaking. My partner said it was coming from downstairs, 
and lo and behold, the kitchen tap was on a steady stream. I'd been using it prior to the movie, but I was using the hot tap, and it was the cold one that was on. We both had that feeling again, just a bit weird. A cat cannot turn on a tap, especially not mine. Now, it's midnight. We returned upstairs, and my partner is incredibly hot and red in the face. He invites me for a smoke so we can cool down outside. As we're rolling, we talk about this and that, just general chit-chat. I bring up how the tap incident was weird, and how things like that seem to only happen when he's here. And just like that, the power's out. My partner had asked if I needed electric earlier in the day, and I had replied that I didn't. He took great pride going to my meter and putting the key back in to restart my electric. But nothing happened when he did. The power had tripped at the switch. We both mutually panicked, but tried to stay calm. I'm hoping it's his dad just showing that he's here by doing strange stuff, and not some entity that's following my partner. I really hope. You may remember me from when I shared another story here from my time as a gymnastics coach. Well, that was when I was 16, and in this next story I'm 18, and go to college in a town about half an hour away from where I live. Sometimes, I catch the bus to college, but if it was a late starting day, like 12pm or something... I get the train because, well, I like riding trains. And the train arrives like 20 feet away from a KFC. Anyway, one day after college, I was meeting up with a friend and planned to take the latest train home, which was 7.30pm. It was autumn time, so it was pretty dark by 7.30. I sat in the dark train station and I saw a man on the other side of the tracks. I didn't really think anything of it, and carried on listening to music on my phone. The train pulls in, and I notice the first odd thing. No lights. That entire train was in darkness. I could see one person sat at the back with his flashlight on, and the conductor got out and asked me to buy a ticket. I asked about the lights and he said they should be back up soon, and to watch out for the gap as I get in. I got in the train, but I didn't go to any of the seats. I just stood there in the center of the corridor connecting areas. I remember that I wasn't really frightened. I was actually kind of excited, as it was like a small, little mini-adventure. Anyways... The train is gearing up to go, and I look out the window to where I was sitting before, and there he is, the man from the other side. He had somehow, in about ten seconds, ran over the bridge and stood outside the window. I looked at him. I could barely make him out as he wasn't standing under the waiting area light. He was instead standing about three foot from the door. The moment I looked at him, 
he began walking towards me. I remember freezing for a moment, questioning if I was really seeing this. He began banging on the door, and I began looking around for the conductor. Promptly remembering the lights were off, I pulled out my phone and turned the flashlight on. And the moment I did, I know this sounds cliche, the man was gone. I spent the rest of the train journey in that corridor. Eventually, the lights came back on for a few minutes, and I saw that there were a few people in the seats, and actually another person in the corridor with me down near the end. It was definitely a strange experience that almost feels like a bad dream when I look back. So that was a collection of one, two, three, four, five, six horrifying, true, scary stories. A grab bag mix of stories that make you think, damn, that's creepy. At least I hope they make you think that. That's kind of the intent, right? These are supposed to be very scary stories. I will say the first one is probably one that freaked me out the most because knowing what I know about the internet... Um, state-sponsored hackers, the dark web, etc. Things that go on, that was pretty freaky, not gonna lie. Also, the stain of Hollywood, uh, that one terrified me too, obviously. And that said, all these stories were really good, very well done, and I liked every single one of them. So huge thank you to everyone who lets me use their stories, and a huge thank you to everyone who listens to my videos. I greatly appreciate you. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe to the channel, please. That really helps me a lot. And if you want to support the channel further, leave a comment. Let me know what you thought of these stories, which one was your favorite, etc. You can also join, become a channel member, or go to patreon.com slash dreams. And for 99 cents a month, that's $1 a month, you can get early access to all of my content. I mean, who doesn't want that? The higher tiers of Patreon get other cool things, like posters that I designed myself. So, if you want some cool stuff, posters, keychains, stickers, etc., become a patron. It's that easy. It really is. Um, yeah. Channel memberships are a little different. You get early access to all my content and cool emojis in all my chats if you're at my live streams. That's more of a live stream thing. If you're not into that, I understand. So... Anyways, friends, I hope you all have a gorgeous day. I hope you're having a beautiful week, and I hope that I will see you again on the next video. But until then, sleep well.